It's not about education. It's not about trying to take away some classes or the casting directors who teach ongoing classes. It's all about this petition. It's all about about addressing the the, the payola issue. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 232, we sit back down with casting director Billy DeMota to further unpack his take on the recent hubbub, if you will, around pay to play casting director workshops. Uh, you'd have to be under a big rock to not know what's going on right now. But uh, if you have been under a rock, we'll help you uh, get out from underneath it. Uh, Billy has a rich history in casting and has long been an outspoken critic of actors paying to meet and work with casting directors. Since we sat down with him a few weeks back... A few uh, years back. A few years back, sorry. Jeez. A <laughs> uh, few years back, back in episode 97 and 98... Uh, so you can go back and listen to those as well. Things have changed a bit, just a bit. Uh, and now the conversation has re- not only resurfaced, but intensified. And so we decided it would be a great opportunity for us to reconnect, to hear what's new, what's happening, and what's ahead for actors, casting directors, and the Casting Society of America. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, GoGo.com start. Hello, Trevor. How are you feeling, my friend? I am feeling significantly better. Not 100% yet, but um, uh, I'm going to declare myself healthy and better and, uh, and move on with my life. Declared. <laughs> yeah. Declared. Do you also, you worked out this morning too, right? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I sent some weights to heaven. Murdered some weights. Some weights to heaven. Oh, it felt so good. It, it had been over a week. So anyway, we have uh, we have sort of a, a limited time frame. I know that you've got a boogie today because you've got uh, a nice appointment with your day job uh, coming up. And that's, a, that's such a sweet way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we frame things positively on this show, but we do have a few announcements that we wanted to just sort of highlight uh, before we jump into the meat of the episode. And the first one is, if you haven't noticed already, check it out. We've got a new 
logo, and it's so awesome. It's so perfect. I have goosebumps like thinking about it because I, I basically we you know we put out the call a little while ago, and we had a few people write back and thank you to everybody who who offered their services. Uh, the first person to respond is the person that we went went to, went with, and her name is Fern Lim. She's a longtime listener and supporter. You can uh, find out more about her work at thecontagiousfern.com, which is just an awesome name. But uh, I, I remember she she's like, so what are you guys looking for? And this is something that she does, by the way. She's a graphic designer by trade. It's kind of her thrival job. And I kind of, you know, we, we sent her some descriptions and some ideas and you know, said, we want something that kind of shows off with the music kind of vibes with. And anyway, the first thing she sent us back was like, oh my God, that's it. That's exactly it. And so you can see it all over our social media. It's in our newsletter. It's on our website. It's on iTunes now. It's now our podcast artwork. Um, so if you haven't seen it already, check it out. It's uh, it's awesome. And, and Fern was just a joy to work with from beginning to end. So uh, if you, again, if you'd like to learn more about her work, and I can't recommend her enough, thecontagiousfern.com for all your graphic design needs. And you can also check her out on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, she's Fern Lim Yay. That's F-E-R-N-L-I-M-Y-A-Y. And on Facebook, just do a search for Fern Lim. Uh, she didn't pay us or ask us to give a glowing review like this on the podcast. We just were so thrilled with uh, with our experience with her that we wanted to make sure that everybody knew about her uh, her awesome work. So check her out, thecontagiousfern.com. And Fern, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for an awesome logo. We love it. I just want to say since it's an audio podcast that I'm raising the roof right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool, man. So uh, tell me what's new in your world. Some, something. So, yeah, I saw your post about Steve Julian. That's heartbreaking. He actually, you know, started out. Uh, I can't remember what he did first, but his second act was um, being a, a police officer, which I um, never really knew about him. Uh, and then his third act, uh, third and fourth act, I guess, were him um, hosting a, a morning talk show or morning morning radio show. It wasn't a talk show; it was a radio show on um, the local um, NPR station here in Los Angeles. And um, while doing that, simultaneously, he 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 just went, he got heavily involved in the LA theater scene and. Um, wrote, directed, and acted in a bunch of, uh, 99C theater all over LA. And, um, that's how we met and became friends. And, uh, Oh, I, was, I didn't know you knew him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I posted a, a long sort of, um, you know, thank you and goodbye to him on, on my, uh, Facebook, mm. uh, yesterday, I think. Um, yeah, we met, uh, you know, uh, I think the first time we met was like at a CTG opening. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, we just kept in touch. Uh, I would send him emails regarding the Los Angeles theater ensemble. And, um, he would send me emails, uh, about, you know, the, the work that he was doing, the shows that he was writing and, 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 and putting up and stuff like that. And he was just always so nice. And every time I saw him in person, he remembered my name. He remembered the, our last conversation. He remembered, um, uh, the last thing that I had worked on. Uh, he always, I, I also said that he, 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 he always managed to somehow listen more than he talked, which was ironic considering the profession that he mm-hmm. chose to be in, you know? So anyway, it's just, a, just such an amazing, amazing guy. And, um, their relationship was so inspirational. Um, it's, it's so loving and, 
uh, yeah, it was just, it was just a real bummer. And so I, I didn't want, you know, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned, um, that on, on the podcast, obviously we've lost like some amazing talent between David Bowie and Prince. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't ever want people to think that we're just completely, um, ignoring that kind of thing going on in the world on the podcast. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to highlight too, that, uh, I mean, obviously sounds like Steve was a wonderful, warm human being who left quite a legacy of, of kindness and compassion and presence. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that he had, he found the success and, and has the reputation he has. Um, and he's also like a super nice guy. I mean, I just to kind of connect the dots and maybe see if there's a, a solid takeaway in this conversation. <clears throat> I mean, obviously there's always a takeaway when somebody passes away, but for this, it just, I just, it again highlights the, the recurring theme that like the people that are successful in this life and really contributing to the world are also the kindest, most generous people. And yeah. uh, it sounds like Steve was a, a really glowing example of that. And so it's something, it's a good reminder that we all get to practice that, you know, it's easy to get road rage and fired up when somebody cuts you off on the freeway or when somebody, you know, disrespects you or whatever. Um, and yet at the end of the day, we all, we all move on from this world. And so it's like, what, what did you, what did you create while you were here? Exactly. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say too. Like the other, if there's another takeaway, it's, you know, what's your legacy? Yeah. You know, what, what is it that you're leaving behind? And, and if you, if you know what you want your legacy to be, it, similarly to, if you know what you want your vision to be, what are you doing about it today? Yeah. So what are you doing about leaving that legacy today? Um, and I know this is a weird, this is going to be a very strange segue, but it, it really does tie in to um, the other sort of bit of news that I have this week, which is that uh, my agents were finally able to, to get me an appointment for Hamilton. And Hamilton, the whole theme of that musical, um, once, you're, once, it's, once you're done, once, once you get to the end of it, you realize that the entire theme of that musical is legacy. Uh, and the way, that you te- the way that you tell your story and the way that other people tell your story for you. Um, and you know, it's a, a, he's a great figure to do that because he's, you know, pretty controversial and, you know, most people just remember that he died in a duel. Hmm. He, she hmm. was shot in a duel. They're like, that's what they remember. And there was, you know, a got milk commercial that helped that along, but it, it's really had, um, a significant impact on me this, this past, this past week. And I've been listening to the, to the music and I'm really excited just to have the opportunity because it, it's obviously such a, um, cultural phenomenon like how how ubiquitous it's become like it's a it is a household name you do not have to be involved in music you don't have to be involved in musical theater you don't have to be involved in theater at all you don't have to be involved in acting entertainment anything everyone knows that there is this monster hit on broadway right now called hamilton everyone Mm. Mm. and so you know it's just a i mean if this is my one if this is my one contribution to it this one audition, then, then awesome. What, like, what a cool, what a cool thing that I get to get to be a part of it. That's amazing, dude. So, I mean, did it go well? I mean, do you know, what's your sense? So, oh, you uh, had an appointment for it. You haven't actually been in yet. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's weird because casting was like, yeah, if he can be in New York, he can come in. (laughs) So it's actually being cast by the biggest casting director company, a casting company in, in New York. 
Um, <clears throat> and they want, they, I, I literally have an appointment this Friday at 5 PM, uh, in the room in New York. And there was a, there was a time where I, you know, a moment where I was like, oh man, should I buy a ticket? Like, am I, am I going just for this? But, um, it's a pre-read and I just didn't feel like it's just going to be me and the casting people. So I just didn't feel like that was worth it. So, um, we're going to be submitting a a self tape. Okay, cool. And what, just out of curiosity, what's your, where are you with the sort of feeling pulled back to New York thing. I know you talked about that recently. You said like, yeah, I think I might, I think New York is where I need to be. And you said that a few <clears throat> weeks ago, where are you with that now? Well, yeah, the, I mean, the force is still strong with this one. Um, in terms of the pull, in terms of the, of the pull back there, I, uh, it, it doesn't, it, unfortunately it doesn't make any financial sense right now to do it. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not looking at it, um, long term, you know, and, uh, and I'm still, uh, being submitted there and my, my agents are aware that either I'm going to put myself on tape or I'm going to go if it's like a callback or something like that. So the going back and forth thing will still happen. But as far as like living there or living by coastally, that's just going to take some time in terms of getting set up, uh, financially, but it's happening. We're, we're making fantastic strides and I'm, I'm so excited. Wow. Awesome. Okay, cool. So, anyway, I, I didn't mean to turn um, Steve's death into about me, but I, um, I just wanted to, you know, like you said, if, if there's a takeaway, you know, that, that what we're just saying about legacy ties in with, um, with, with Hamilton. Yeah. Well, in, in a way, yeah, totally, totally. And in a way it's, it's, it's really what this show is really about. I mean, I, yeah, we talk about acting and stuff, but at the end of the day, like, <clears throat> acting's interesting and all that, you know, it's fun and it's cool. And, and we all want to have success doing what we love and, and telling stories that can shape the world. But at the end of the day, it's about like, what is, what is the real thing that we're after? And it's about connecting with human beings and it's about compassion and it's about con- kindness and, and lifting each other up and, and getting a deeper experience of the human condition. I mean, that's what it's really all about. And when people pass away, they leave a legacy of that kind of thing. It's, it's really perfect. And, and for you to connect that to the Hamilton audition, it's like, I, I can't think of a more sort of comprehensive view of what we're really talking about each week on, on mm. this show. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I want to catch up with you too. Cause I know you had your, your voiceover class this weekend and, and I know that you've been sort of committed to not only growing that, um, uh, content wise and knowledge wise, but also, you know, getting the word out there. So, um, how did, how did it go? Yeah. I, I just wanted to recap it. I, I made a commitment to talk more about it. I, I just, I have a way of living my life sometimes where I sort of silo my different roles I don't know if you've, you've probably experienced this about me. Like I have my sort of uh-huh. like fitness <laughs> role and I'm like, okay, I do my workout fitness stuff. And, but I don't really talk about that. And then I do my voiceover stuff and then I do my podcast stuff. And actually one of our listeners, Sarah Jane Dalby, um, we had lunch the other day and, uh, we were talking about, I think something, and she's in my fitness challenge group. She's going through some of these beach body programs with, with a few, you know, core people that we're all doing it together and we support each other and I offer coaching and, and she said to me, she said, I, I feel like I'm talking to a different person right now when we met for lunch. And, and mm. I was like, why? And she's like, because I just, I have a hard time connecting like the podcast person I listen to and the person that also does the fitness stuff. And I was like, and that's when that was sort of an aha moment where I realized like, wow, I don't allow these things to blend at all. 
I have this idea that like I need to play these roles. And so part of my commitment to sort of break that is to start to blend things a little more and really talk about the, the voiceover stuff because it's a huge part of my life. I've talked about this before, but every time I lean into it and make it a bigger part of my life, it, it tends to reward me financially very well. I enjoy it. I have a, a you know, the right, you know, software skill set for it. And the, the class that we just did uh, last night, as of this recording, it was last night, was all about audiobooks. It was very sort of technically intensive. There's a lot of information about how to produce an audiobook using the software. And then there was some skill set in terms of how to approach nonfiction stuff. And it just was, it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, had uh, a good no- a good number of students, and one of the students was Michael Hufton, who actually wrote in last episode. We responded to one of his questions last episode, oh, and it cool. was it was cool. He, you know, I walked in, I said, "Hey, nice to meet you," and uh, I said, "How'd you hear about this stuff?" And he said, "From the podcast." And I was like, "Oh, that's so cool, man!" <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed getting a chance to meet him. He killed it, by the way. He's a total natural on the mic, and I think he's going to have a very successful career in voiceover. So, Michael, great to meet you. If you're listening. Uh, and I, I'm really looking forward to the next class, which, if I may shamelessly plug this, it'll be on uh, May 22nd. And we are going to cover, if you'd like to join us, Mastering Cold Reading of VoiceOver Scripts, uh, How to Voice News and Information Products, and also, and this is a big one, Voicing IVR and Phone Prompts. IVR stands for Interactive Voice Response, and it's like the phone prompt thing, you know, the whole, like, for locations press one for such and such press two that stuff there's like a a lot of that work out there so we're Mm. gonna talk about those three things uh in on may 22nd at 5 p.m in hollywood so join us if you uh if your curiosity is piqued oh you're you're so shameless trevor (laughs) i am shameless must mention our sponsor uh, because this episode, of course, uh, is brought to you by Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors that's coming in just a few short weeks. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for auditions, explore your character and make stronger choices and do a whole lot more, go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn about all the new great features coming in the next version of Rehearsal the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. Reserve your soon-to-be-released copy of Rehearsal Pro right now at rehearsal.pro slash IAP. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Do do we have time, you think, to respond to this question, or should we just Uh, jump right into it? I actually, I actually reached out to um, Ben Whitehair to uh, help us answer this question. Ah, the ghost host. The ghost yes. host with the most host. Um, <clears throat> I, I just had, um, uh, I just had a, a I don't know, a, a strong feeling that he would have, he would be like a really great person to to answer this. And um, so I think if we just, um, you know, use his uh, responses as bullet points. You know, we can probably uh, get get through this uh, rather quickly. I'm going to forward you uh, the email right now, Trevor, as we're talking. So this question okay. comes from <clears throat> this question comes from a listener named Jesse, uh, a new member actually named Jesse. He said, "I recently did a controversial short film about social injustice and racial inequality." The film follows an actor in the 1930s who who is opened up to the atrocities of lynching and brutality in his community. I had to witness terrible things and also perform blackface blackface ministry monologue in the short. 
I was wondering if there's a place in your acting reel for controversial scenes and your thoughts on the subject of portraying your acting ability with performances that may come off as inappropriate or uncomfortable. First of all, <clears throat> this has got to be one of the most interesting questions we've gotten into the podcast. Completely get it on 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 every side. Um, my, before I get into Ben's, my initial instinct was to say, like, I don't think there, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea because you don't want the reel to be confrontational to a casting director mm-hmm. um, or producer. That was just my instinct. So I'm curious to hear, Trevor, what your instinct was when you first read it. Sure. I think I responded to him as well. And I'm looking at the um, response from Ben that you just emailed me. And um, it sounds like there we're, uh, we have a slightly different take on things. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I had my, how I got my SAG card was I did a, a sort of like a, P, a public service announcement for like a, a white supremacy thing, like workplace. It was such a strange thing. It was back in Philly. And I was like a, I was like a white supremacist, like guy in the workplace. And it was all about like so typecasting. Yeah. Yeah. You know me. I just <laughs> hate anybody that's uh, not, not white, white, I guess. I don't know. Uh, not true. <laughs> so uh, that's how I got my SAG card. And I, you know, it was my only footage at the time, and I think I did take a little bit of it and put it on my initial demo reel, because it didn't feel, like, I think most people understand that it's, that it's, you know, it's acting, it's like there's that kind of stuff is out there, like if you're a henchman on a, I don't know, I mean, it's not the same thing, I guess, because, you know, you got to be sensitive to, you know, social issues that exist in the real world, but... Uh, my initial reaction was like, without seeing this footage was like, I think people understand, you know, so if you take a slightly less controversial segment of it, assuming that it's good, you know, production quality and shows off your skills and teaches people how to, how to cast you and, you know, identifies you as someone who can do this kind of role and clearly shows what your strengths are, what you look and sound like on, on screen, then, then absolutely use it. You know, we all understand that it's a demo reel. Um, but again, I didn't see the footage and maybe I'm not being as sensitive as I need to be to, to, um, the reality of the actual social, social situations that this is based on. So that said, let's, let's take a closer look at Ben's response. Yeah. So, well, it's funny cause you overlap in some places and, and not in others. I think, <clears throat> I think his, uh, concern was probably mostly about the, um, the blackface aspect of it like that, like if the clip that, that uh, Jesse wanted to use was was that um, part of it in particular. Um, and, you know, he does mention you can also all, always, of course, um, upload it as a separate clip on Actors Access. Yeah, I love um, that idea. Just, that's, that's a great so, idea. You know, there, there's, there's, there can still be a place for it, um, even if yeah. it's not as part of your main, your main reel. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, it, he he reiterates, like I said, Trevor. You guys have some overlap. He reiterates what you just said, which I think is the smartest. The smartest part of his entire responses can really be summed up in just this couple of sentences, which he says, you know, the go- the goal of any sort of demo reel uh, is to demonstrate how to cast us next, showing casting that we can do the role they're casting and be great at it. So if the clip, if the if the clip that you have, Jesse, doesn't do that, regardless of the tone or content. Um, you probably wouldn't want to include it anyway. Right? It, it, it wouldn't make any. It wouldn't make any sense. So really, really take that into consideration. 
because a lot of this stuff, you know, short films, uh, and, and Ben even mentioned this, sometimes it's just like doing art for art's sake. Um, you know, it's not necessarily going to fit into, um, the commerce side of things in the entertainment industry, right? So, uh, it, it may, you, you want to really look at the footage that you have and see if it's actually going to help you book something. It's going to help you get cast. Um, and then he also said, like, look, if, if you if you're that guy, if you're that guy like Trevor, you know, played this white supremacist and you just end up doing a lot of these sort of art house type films w- that are very controversial and very confrontational and all that stuff. There are not a lot of actors out there who can do that kind of thing. So he said, just make a demo reel out of that, <laughs> like back to back clips of you doing really intense, controversial uh, stuff, um, because that's the stuff that you have managed to get yourself involved with and you're really good at it. So, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that making like almost like specialized demo reels. Like here's a couple clips of me being the racist bigot, <laughs> you know? And, and if that's cause you know, like we talked about this before, like when you walk into a room, a casting director wants to be like, that's our guy, no acting required. Like, mm. you know, like mm. that's kind of what they that's like their dream situation. An actor walks in and they go, I don't even have to see this person read. I know that's exactly who we want. Uh, and so if you can show them that in a in a you know a series of clips online that this may be not posted everywhere. Maybe it's not on YouTube, but it's like on the casting sites. That's that's great. And you can be like, look, I, I can totally be this guy. I own like the sleeveless uh, denim jacket, <laughs> you know, and the, <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you can demonstrate that, then, then yeah, by all means show that. And then every time one of those roles come up, you're like, look, I'm your guy. Yeah, exactly. And we talk about, you know, splitting up your, once you have enough clips splitting up into like a comedy reel and a demo reel. And you know, the same can be true for any, you know, type, any character type. I happen to end up with a lot of footage of me being a frat, boy douchebag really <laughs> how i got cat yeah i mean between misusing irony and life partners alone there's so much of me being like you know just douchebag like douchey hips almost hipsterish but just like douchey frat guy whatever like wow. it's so funny and <clears throat> so when i put it all together i was like oh okay there's a <laughs> there's a weird there's an odd brand emerging that i wasn't expecting so that whole reel may end up just becoming just for that, like a separate, mm. a separate thing once I have more, more footage. So, right. uh, anyway, it happens and sometimes it can even be surprising, but, yeah, uh, yeah. hopefully that was helpful, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse, there, let us know what you decide to do. Yeah. There are totally ways to use this to your advantage, uh, as a really spec- as a sniper rifle, as opposed to a shotgun. Right. We've talked about that on the, on the show before, as far as marketing strategies, um, yeah. how to be very specific versus just spraying, you know, throwing noodles at the wall and seeing what sticks. So, totally. uh, thank you for the question, Jesse. Hope that was supportive. Any, anybody listening, uh, if you've got input, we are always more than excited to hear from our listeners and share their points of view and their experience, the podcast. Cause you know, we're just two dudes. We only know so much. We can only share from our personal experience. So, uh, please share if you've got, uh, something you'd like to add. That's what this show is all about. All right, I know we are super tight on time, so let's jump into part one of our chat with uh, Billy DeMota uh, to get an update on where things are uh, from his point of view with the casting director pay-to-play workshops, and we'll see you guys on the other side. 
Hey everybody, AJ and I uh, are really, really excited to be sitting down again with casting director, musician, uh, screenwriter, filmmaker Billy DeMota for the second time. Many of you may remember that we interviewed Billy many years ago uh, about a lot of things. Uh, you had just had a short film come out, Billy, and then also um, there was sort of a, a sort of uproar about some casting director paid workshop stuff that had kind of come out into the media and then it went away for a bit and now it's back it seems to be this cyclical thing so we're really excited to have you back on the show to talk about what's new what's not new uh and any sort of updated viewpoints and, and things like that sure thank you well thank you for the invitation it's always great to be here uh you know co- uh, workshops are like cockroaches so the, the the it's you think they're gone you think they're dead uh you think there's going to be some kind of uh, some sort of you know action taken against this, the at least the illegal part of the workshops, and everybody you know there's a big fanfare and everybody talks about how they're going to abide by the law, they're going to create guidelines, they're going to come up with a committee to talk about how to address all the issues, and then nothing happens. Uh, this time though, you know, just so you know, so I can give you a little bit of history, you know, over the years. Uh, we we you know we've we've addressed the issue. I mean, our organization, uh, Do Not Pay dot org, and the city attorney's office and the CSA and SAG-AFTRA, they've all addressed the issue, and it's always been it's always been at the forefront for a little while, uh, and then it just kind of fades away. And I think this time, because of the fact that you know, even in the last three years since we last talked about this, with Instagram and Twitter. And Facebook really taking over the internet, and uh, you know all the different social media platforms, and and the immediacy and the the uh, amazing outreach of of uh, you know the digital world. Uh, you know, for instance, I, I don't know if you know about a petition that we not we but that that I'm supporting that that a guy named Jared Milrad put up about uh, having the, the the city attorney take a look at it. He put it up about ten days ago. 12 days ago, and it's gotten over 12, almost 13,000 signatures to, to stop the pay-to-play, to stop the, uh, the abuse in the pay-to-play. Uh, this has nothing to do with education. It has to do with the, the workshops that charge you for basically access to read for a casting director with little or no feedback, which is practically all of them anyway. But it's not about education. It's not about, it's not about uh, trying to take away some classes or the casting directors who teach ongoing classes. It's all about this petition. It's all about, um, about addressing the, the, the payola issue. And it's gotten almost 13,000 signatures when maybe three years ago, it would have been hard to get it out. The outreach wouldn't, wouldn't have been as, as great. And, you know, I mean, if you think about it, that's probably one out of five or six or seven actors in Los Angeles uh, that are signing this petition that want it to go that want workshops to go away, uh, and uh, and so so there's a lot that's changed. The fact is is that the stories reach a lot more people right away, and the Hollywood Reporter story that came out about uh, two weeks ago that talked about uh, the um, I, don't, I don't remember the exact title of the hold on, let's see if I can find the title, uh, but basically it was called uh, New Hollywood Economy. Pay-to-play auditions for actors gain dominance. Just the fact that they could say pay-to-play, that they could call these workshops and what happens to these workshops illegal is a huge step ahead from 
what's happened in the past. In the past, they just sort of like uh, these educational facilities are abusing their their uh, their 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 purpose. Well, people are recognizing the fact that as much as you can learn, and you know, from meeting a casting director and reading for a casting director, that's that's all you know, you know, good and and and. Well, well and good, but the but the fact is, is, actors we know why actors pay, and we know why casting directors charge, and the the model has never been to teach actors about the the casting process to demystify the audition process. Uh, it's always been to provide a platform where actors can meet casting directors, pay a fee, and casting directors charge a fee uh, to uh, to accommodate that. And so I think what's happening now is that there's a there's a stronger recognition, and that's what has to happen. That the elephant in the room, the the fact is, is that they they are paying for access to a casting director. It may not be paying for an audition. I mean, technically it is. I think, but uh, you know, if you look at the legal definition of an audition, but even if you said it, it's not paying for an audition right now, it's definitely paying to be on somebody's radar, uh, and. Uh, you know, for consideration for future work. And that kind of uh, reality is now starting to sink in because actors are not afraid to speak up now. Actors are, are I mean, some a- actors are, you know, there's still certainly the stigma of speaking out against the very same people that are in a position to hire you. But I think what's really changed now with this whole Hollywood Reporter uh, series is the fact that actors are saying, wow, Somebody's really acknowledging the fact that there's pay to play out there. Somebody's really acknowledging the fact that we have to pay casting directors to meet uh, to meet them and to read for them. We have to pay to be considered by them. We there are, you know, in any any night of the week, there's dozens of workshops that happen, and there's uh, hundreds of actors that are paying, you know, thousands of dollars to meet casting directors. And I think that now what's happening is it's, it's reached critical critical mass with especially when. Gary Baum, who wrote the Hollywood Reporter article, says specifically that in the month of, I think, January, 450 separate workshops took place. Now, that's with an average of 15 people apiece in them. So and an average of, you know, 35 or 40 bucks being paid. So you can see the kind of money that's being paid for it. You can see the 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 the, the prevalence of it. And I think actors are happy with this article because what it's doing is it's giving them the permission to finally speak out and say something about uh, about the scheme and not be afraid. Billy, you mentioned the, uh, the petition that's going around. I've seen that one, and there's also this one that's receiving far fewer signatures, but another, another one going around to, I think, uh, the, the goal is to reinstate uh, Scott David into his job. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was wondering... Uh, in addition, to, if you could um, speak to that topic uh, or not, if you're comfortable with that, but also um, just to go back, to just rewind a bit and uh, ask you if you know sort of what the impetus or the um, you know inciting incident was for this uh, particular article or series of articles. Because like Trevor was saying, it does seem to be this thing that kind of goes up and down and up and down. You have the the outcry and then it dies away. And, you know, I, I saw so many actors posting this article with the comment, nothing, this doesn't change anything. Nothing's going to change because this always happens and we always go right back to, you know, the way that it was. So what was it that uh, was the sort of inciting uh, incident for this series in particular? 
Well, ironically, this this is the and oddly, this is probably the first campaign that I didn't initiate. I mean, that, <laughs> the funny I thing love, is that's that, so funny that you say that too, because because later on I wanted to ask you because I read um, you posted after the article went viral, you posted another Facebook update with some, you know, you were like, just to clarify, right. I don't. Well, I don't know why my face is the billboard for this. Uh, for I think this. I said I said they used a picture the size of a small school bus in the <laughs> Daily Variety article, and I literally contributed a sentence, one sentence. They just so you know, I'll give you some history on the article. I didn't write the article. I didn't encourage the article to be written. I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't. Uh, you know, demand that the Hollywood Reporter. I didn't even know who Gary Baum was. He called me after he'd already interviewed 60-plus people, uh, union officials, SAG-AFTRA, CSA officials, other casting directors, actors, uh, uh, you know, state uh, lawmakers. Uh, and then he sat down and interviewed me after all this, just weeks before the article was released. And, and I contributed, you know, I mean, we talked for an hour, but I, they literally put one sentence in it. But I've always been the one... It's, and, and in fact, in the article, it says, oh, here comes Billy DeMota talking his, you know, Shazit again. He, here comes Billy DeMota being, you know, at the wannabe, the center of attention. Well, it wasn't me. From my understanding, um, and I happen to know the, the people who initiated this thing. I'm not going to mention uh, their name. Uh, but uh, there were a couple of actors who were just sick and tired of the scheme of having to pay to get on the radar of casting directors. They thought... There must be a better way, these two actors. So what they did is they called Gary Baum and said, we have a story that we'd like you to pursue. And here's the, the basic, you know, uh, you know, basis of the story. Uh, and, you know, the, the back end, they gave them background and they talked about the history of the workshops. And like everybody else, he was kind of familiar with them because if you're an industry professional in this town, you have actor friends who have all done workshops or have have experience with workshops. I mean, you guys have done workshops and you know people, if you didn't do a workshop, you know somebody who did. So everybody understands that they exist. They've existed for, for almost 30 years, since almost as long as I've been casting. And so this time it was a couple of actors that said, Gary, will you just take a look at it? And so he started to dig into it and he realized it wasn't just, you know, a few places around town charging actors to come in and read for them and do scenes like a little showcase that it was a multi-million dollar industry, that the that it generates literally millions of dollars each year, paying casting directors, casting associates, assistants, hundreds of thousands of dollars every year, uh, every single penny paid by actors, and that there is and that there's no other way uh, for the rank and file actor to open up those doors without writing a check to do it. You know, the gatekeepers are charging at the gate. So the actors are the ones who initiated it. And, uh, and that's when Gary, you know, sort of hopped on board and I thought it's been a year. I mean, he spent a year writing the story and I think he wrote a really great story. And of course the follow-up to it, you know, with the Scott David being dismissed from his job. And again, nobody knows Scott David's, uh, you know, released a, um, a breaking the silence, uh, a post. He did a tweet and a Facebook post, but he didn't really break the silence. He just said, Hey, you know, we, uh, you know, my partner and I that run the, the Actors Link are still going to be offering great, you know, educational benefits to our actors. We want to let you know that 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 the recent actions haven't changed anything. 
But there was nothing that acknowledged the fact that anything that he was doing was less than, you know, completely upfront. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, an expert on what happens inside of his workshops because I've never taken a workshop at, at the Actors Link. But from what I hear and what I understand, you know, there could be some meaningful changes, you know, from the actors I've spoken to. And he didn't address that. He didn't say we're going to try to fix things. We're going to try to make things better. He didn't say why he was dismissed from from Criminal Minds. You know, although it was the next day after the article came out, we can't assume anything because we don't know the facts from from the inside and why Touchstone Television decided to uh, relieve him of his casting duties after being uh, a casting director there for, for Criminal Minds for twelve years. Yeah, I believe his, I believe his exact words in the letter were something along the lines of of, of a myriad reasons. A myriad of reasons, right? And, you know, but didn't identify any one of those myriad. Right. It, yeah, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of detail. And just full disclosure to you, Billy, and to our listeners, actually, I, I want to make sure that we point out here that we did we have reached out to him. Um, for an interview so that he could, uh, whatever, tell us out of the story, uh, comments, just, you know, something very simple, and he declined. Yeah. He unfortunately, yeah, did decline. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to give him the same platform, if for no other reason than to educate people and to, you know, present both sides of this, you know, quote-unquote story, not to put you and him at odds by any means, because like you even yeah. said, it, what you, you know, you were reached out to well after the article for for this one quote that uh, yeah, and, and trust me, Scott Scott David hated me a long long before the article. <laughs> uh, well, and what I'm saying is it's not about that. It's it's about it's about education. It's about getting every side of the story. And you know, hopefully, I, I do hope that Trevor and I can can even ask you, ask you do our do journalistic diligence and ask you some questions that might be. Um, uh, challenging or, or on the mind of of actors in 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 the business, but I appreciate that you're you know sort of breaking down a how the article happened and b some of the details um, uh, inside of it. So, and by, by the way, let me just uh, let me step back a second. Scott Davis' petition or the petition to reinstate Scott David is called uh, for those who want to go and get try to get him his job back. It's called Criminal Minds Need Scott David, and so do we. There are, as I said before, our, our petition or the petition to investigate the workshops has nearly 13,000 uh, signatures. Scott Davids has 312. There are people that may not have heard about it. So I'm telling you right now, uh, Inside Acting listeners, go. If you think that Scott David needs to be re- restored to his job, go back there and uh, go to his site. And um, I'm kind of surprised because he has nearly 15,000 Facebook friends. So you would imagine at least more, you know, a few more than 312 would have signed the, the petition, but they didn't. So if you want Scott to get his job back, go to Criminal Minds Needs Scott David and so do we. It's a care to petition and I'm promoting it right now. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for that, Billy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's funny that you said there's no way of knowing exactly what happened, but there, the timing was uh, suspect Obviously, you know, the day after, um, you know, this this article came out and everybody jumped on that. And of course, in the age of media, that's how it happens. And that brings me to sort of back to another point that you were making, which was that you were saying that you think what's different now is the 
the the visibility, the viral nature of the way that you know these stories happen. That you're saying that with social media, it, actors are essentially talking more and less fearful about yeah. uh, said you know conversation and right. said also they're they're feeling sort of a camaraderie with other actors. They can see that hey, those people think like I do, so I'm not so afraid to step up and, and say what I feel. So there's a there's a community that is uh, this coalescing because of of, uh, of the digital revolution, because of social media, uh, because of the you know Facebook, because of petitions like this, you know, where people actually feel uh, emboldened uh, to uh, to speak out and to say something and to try to make a change. Still, a lot of the people that are that are chiming in are doing it anonymously or or not not they're just not putting their name their full names on the, the petitions or in their posts, but, uh, but there, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a huge, you know, on the, the Hollywood reporter post too, there's a, there's a huge, uh, uh, comment section with a lot of people on both sides of the issue, uh, that are remaining anonymous because I think there's still a fear there, but I think what's happened is this whole, this whole issue has gotten a new life. And I think, you know, and next year may be even better where there, it reaches more people. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that it's that it's uh, that it's getting out there and people are seeing it because the whole the whole thing about this thing is the more people that know about it. I mean, I just you know I had three parents call me from one called me from Michigan, one called me from uh, Atlanta, and one called me from where we just did a movie in Arkansas. And I I've met two of the parents, and they said, "Is this going on in in?" Los Angeles now. My daughter just moved there. My son is thinking about coming out there. Is that really what goes on? Are actors having to pay to get on a, you know? So what's happening is it's even reaching places outside of Los Angeles in a big way. And uh, and I think that the more information that gets out there and the more people that know about it, you know, easier it is for for law enforcement to deal with it if they need to, for the media to get involved. And uh, and so I'm encouraged by that. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Bookends. I hope you're enjoying sort of getting reacquainted with uh, this whole situation. I, I do want to say, um, and I do say it in the interview, but I want to reiterate that uh, two things. First of all, none of this is to disparage anyone, to disparage another, another you know, casting director or to disparage, you know, uh, uh, an actor who's gone to a casting director workshop. Um, and especially not to disparage someone like um, Scott David, who actually may or may not have, you know, lost his job um, uh, because of this situation. And the second thing is that, you know, as I said in the interview, we did reach out to him for comment and he uh, politely declined. So I, we wanted to do our journalistic due diligence and have uh, quote unquote both sides of the story. Um, if, uh, if you want to, you know, bifurcate it in that way. Um, and we were not able to, to, to do that, at least not right now. So <clears throat> perhaps in the future, we may end up having somebody who is a, a big proponent or advocate for the workshops and, and, um, 
would love to, uh, you know, get their take on the podcast as well. Uh, so my pick of the week, I, I was originally going to sort of piggyback off of your pick of the week last week, but I'm going to bump that to next week because I saw a fantastic freaking film uh, the other day called Sicario. I think it was up for a few uh, Academy Awards this year. Uh, I don't think it won anything, but it, it is phenomenal. It's uh, Benicio Del Toro and um, Emily Blunt edge of your seat nail biter like gets your heart pounding what's going to happen and uh it's all like it's basically a, a thing that's happening now it's just masterful storytelling from the soundtrack to the way the film was paced and everything about it was phenomenal and i was reading about it and it turns out that benicio del toro in the film like he originally had like 90 percent more lines than he has and in the process of filming he was like look I don't think my character would speak this much. I don't think he would talk here. I think he'd be a little bit more like directed. So he actually voluntarily worked with the director to cut 90% of his dialogue. Whoa. Just because he felt it served <laughs> the story uh, more strongly. And I, I was like, when I, I, heard, I learned that after watching the film and I was just even more in awe of, uh, of the, the piece of masterful storytelling that it is. So check it out, Sicario. It's not on Netflix Instant, uh, but you can get it on their DVD mail service. And you can probably find it on iTunes and Amazon and stuff. There's a link to the trailer on our website in the show notes of this episode. <laughs> yeah, and your pick of the week looks familiar. My pick of the week? Yeah, just talked about it. And it's funny because, like, you know, uh, we, we seem to have this uh, idea that we're going to introduce things to people in our picks of the week. And this is like as far from that as possibly could be, but um, I think the week is Hamilton. Uh, And since no one can get tickets, uh, I guess it will, I'll I'll make it the Hamilton soundtrack. Um, So the link to the iTunes, uh, the iTunes link is on our website, but I also included this amazing link. I just discovered this website because of the research that I'm doing for the audition. Um, This website called genius.com. It's basically like a collection of lyrics uh, on the internet. Obviously, it's a website, collection of lyrics on the internet, but it has every song you can click on the line in that song and the and like an explanation or a like a description of what that line means appears on the right side of the screen. Oh, bad. You, you, you have to check it out. It's really cool. And with a uh, uh, with the novelistic density of something like Hamilton, it's incredible. So when you go through the lyrics and you click on them, you're getting insight into the actual history of the time and, and why Lin-Manuel Miranda might have chosen to write that particular lyric. Um, but, and right now, like the entire front page of genius.com is covered in Beyonce because lemonade just dropped. So like, it, it's really funny, like all of the, you know, possible things that you can find on there, but it's a pretty cool website. So sort of a dual pick of the week, but, um, I, uh, I have been avoiding listening to Hamilton because I always like seeing a show before I listen to its soundtrack. And, um, obviously with the popularity of the show, that's probably not going to happen. And now that I have an audition, I, I sort of, you know, had to listen to it mm-hmm. and yo, the hype is real dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hype is real. Put that on a the t-shirt. Hype real. The hype is it. real, dog. The hype cool, is real. All right. So, All right. It's so real. All right. And we have a listener pick from a good friend of the podcast, Eric Eberly, uh, who is a new daddy as well. And uh, he writes in and says he wants to suggest 
Cooked. It's a uh, four-part miniseries on Netflix. It's uh, from Michael Pollan, uh, a guy, a writer who I just love and I think is doing really important work. He wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma. He wrote In Defense of Food. He wrote Food Rules. And he wrote also a book called Cooked, which uh, on which I believe this series is based. And it's basically about cooking and cooking traditions. And each part of this four-part series is based on a fundamental element, fire, water, air, earth. And it ties that element into cooking. And it, this whole series looks at how modern life and food industrialization has really kind of pulled us as a species away from these these age-old traditions uh, and really calls for a return to these traditions. Uh, I actually watched personally, Trevor, this is me speaking, I watched the first episode of this series and I had a hard time with it because, you know, they, they talk about some animal stuff and there's <clears throat> some animal violence that, that is probably not a big deal to most people, but I'm just sensitive like that. Uh, so I didn't watch the rest of them, but I did find the parts of the episode that were not uh that really really compelling and i think it's probably worth uh digging into the entire series so eric says he totally digs it thinks people who listen to this podcast will really dig it so check it out it's called cooked it's a four-part miniseries on netflix from michael pollan yeah anything having to do with with food and culture and anthropological <clears throat> human stuff i'm i'm into as long as we human don't see stuff. as long as we don't see a lot of animals getting hurt Human stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, so that is Sicario. Sicario? Sicario? Sicario. Sicario, uh, which I completely missed, but now I have to watch it because Trevor says it's cool. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton the Musical and a little nod to Genius.com. And Cooked, four-part miniseries, um, which was sent in by listener Eric Eberly. And uh, hey, uh, Eric. Congratulations on the baby. She's adorable. The baby. Baby. Yeah. New humans. Um, <clears throat> new, yay, new humans. Yay, new humans. Um, so I guess that's it, yeah? That's all we got. Yeah. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly, AJ Meyer, and of course, Trevor Algat. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrick is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. And Timothy Patrick Waterman is our new director of public relations. Trevor Algat edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. And of course, as previously mentioned, Fern Lim designed our logo. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch. It's free. You can sign up for it over at our website, uh, where you can also listen to all of our episodes. That's InsideActing.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. We're everywhere. And go ahead and uh, leave us a review or a positive comment, if you would, uh, on any of those sites. Uh, it's like kind of like putting a little tip in our tip jar, and the iTunes reviews especially are are really helpful. So uh, helps other people find the show, uh, reminds us that we're doing something that people really dig. And of course, if you, you know, we're not all, we realize that the world is not all sunshine and rainbows. So if you have beef with the show, <laughs> if you're like, you know what, guys, I don't like what you're doing. And I really hate it when you do X, Y, or Z. Shoot us an email. A lot, give us a chance to fix it. Uh, and then and then leave us the bad review if we ignore you or something. <laughs> um, but if you really dig the show and you just, you know, you want to support it, uh, leaving us a review on, on one of those places, especially iTunes, is a great way to do it. And uh, in addition to that, there's our membership. So special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and Viotogogo.com. And thanks to you, our listeners. And if you love Inside Acting and you want to maximize its value in your life and career and support the continued production of the podcast, sign up as a member 
and get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, and much, much more. We're actually adding there's some uh, sort of master class-like things coming up from uh, former guests and friends of the podcast. We're going to be um, pouring a tremendous amount of value into the membership coming up, so stay tuned. Watch this space um, for, for, uh, for those updates. But, uh, in the meantime, visit insideacting.net and click on the membership tab to get in early. And that's it for episode 232 of Inside Acting. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, create your legacy. 